0: Another episode of Wesley Union. It's me, your friendly neighborhood, not really in your neighborhood, Sarah. Um, And today I am joined by the Reverend Caitlin White from Stetson Wesley to talk with us about Christmastide
1: and the Christ Candle. Caitlin, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks so much for letting me share about Christmastide and share your Christmas with you. (laughs) Yes, very
0: exciting. Very exciting. Um, So, I actually, this is only the second time I've met you. Um, so I've actually i actually a biblical rumble, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I would like to know more about you and I'm sure other people would like to know a little bit about you too. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: All right. Well, I'll, uh, um, I'll tell you all the fun stuff and less of the ministry stuff. Um, the high points you need to know is are that I'm uh, the campus pastor and director at Stetson Wesley. We serve a bunch of campuses over here. We've got Daytona state students, UCF online students and rural students. It's pretty great. Um, but obviously we're right at, um, in the middle of Stetson's campus. So that's our primary focus. And um, it's a lot of fun. I also work um, with fresh expressions with the annual conference um, for the uh, um, basically our work is trying to inspire pastors and lay folks um, in uh, congregations and different ministry locations. And they may not even be in a, a traditional church to really step outside the walls of um, and the kind of fil- philosophical walls of the traditional church and step into their communities and plant experiences of church around things people already understand already gravitate to already see the spirituality in. Um, and instead of saying, Hey, we brought you Jesus. Hey, Jesus was already here doing something. We just helped you kind of, you know, point that out and pick up on that. And so um, that's, that's some of my other work and and it gets me into trouble doing fun stuff like yoga church and uh, pub church stuff and uh, pints and parables and Sunday sold brunches and you know all kinds of cool stuff. So um for folks who are maybe uh, thinking about going into ministry or uh, think that ministry is not for them because they think very differently about the church, um you're not alone. Um for some reason they keep inviting me back. So um that's kind of what I'm about in that world. Um outside of that world, I have a whole other life. Um I love um hiking and being outside. I do a lot of paddle boarding when it's on way too cold um sometimes when it is way too cold um i wear a wetsuit (laughs) Um, i uh i like going to the beach i um really like running um i did a a long distance hike in in 2016 if you're familiar with the appalachian trail i threw hikes back um that year and it's about 2100 miles so i'm i'm really into travel and that kind of comes up today Um, the the um, illustration the the metaphor of a journey and so um I'll kind of talk about that a bit but um for me a lot of what makes me um come alive are just getting out spending time in nature and like a fair amount of spending time um playing with Legos and like watching TV and just chilling and like You know, I love to go to Disney World when it's not (laughs) an epic pandemic. Um, But um, yeah, I I think that all of our lives are made better by play and fun. So I try to spend a lot of time doing that more and more. The longer we're stuck uh, kind of inside and in particular routines, I'm trying to get more creative and do more art stuff and, um, you know, kind of keep things going. So that's what's up with me. That's exciting. That's,
0: it's interesting to like hear all those things because like, I don't know if everyone does those people, right? You meet people and you kind of have some perceptions about them and like some like things you notice pick up on. And like, I would not have like pegged you for a Lego person.
1: Like. (laughs) Look look up here and see my Millennium Falcon and know I'm serious. (laughs) Oh,
0: okay. Okay. There we go. uh, That's a T-Rex.
1: I'm uh, I'm happy to
0: share with you that okay. is incredible that's very detailed
1: oh yeah um it's uh it's become an obsession in the pandemic some people have been into puzzles I tried to do a puzzle I got about 70 percent of the way through this double-sided all succulent themed impossible to tell apart puzzle and I was like yeah I think I'm done <laughs> so that was the switch to legos and i'm, I'm not going back
0: <laughs> nice i've always like considered like legos could be fun i've just never tried them so maybe i'll maybe i'll have to give them a go as this uh wears on and you know have to keep staying inside
1: heck yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well um i guess we should like dive into the like meat of the conversation a little bit, although we could just talk about Legos. That could be a thing. That could work out too. (laughs) (laughs) But um, why why does Christmas tide matter? And like, why does the liturgical calendar matter as well? Like, why is it significant?
1: Okay, so let's even start with with what these things are, right? So um, if you have never heard of the liturgical calendar before, you are not alone. I made it to college, I'm pretty sure, without knowing what it was. I grew up um, in and out of like kind of church shopping in different places. So I wasn't anywhere long enough to notice a pattern if they were talking about it. But a lot of the churches that I grew up in were kind of non-denominational, like, you um, you know, maybe I had a hint of Catholicism here, or a hint of, you know, Presbyterian here, but nobody really committed to much outside of like maybe Lent. And obviously, you know about Easter, you know about Christmas, but you don't necessarily practice Advent um, in those kind of traditions. So even these like more common seasons were unfamiliar to me. And then we got into like Epiphany, Epiphany. Um, you know, feast days, transfiguration Sunday, all this stuff. And and honestly, I was kind of overwhelmed. So I, I don't want to ever assume that you know, and you can be a devout Christian your whole life and never know this stuff. So um, basically, the liturgical calendar is um, a way that we have oriented uh, occasions in the Christian year, in order for us to track them, celebrate them, on the same dates or in in a similar season every year. And so those um, sometimes start on a particular Sunday. Sometimes they're a particular day. Um, Say Epiphany is January 6th. Um, For example, um, Christmas is always going to be the 25th. So we have to count back um, Sundays in order to get to Advent, right? so different seasons work in different ways. And when it comes to Advent, you guys have already gone through that. Um, we've been lighting four candles for four weeks of Advent. Ooh, it's a bright Advent right there. Um, and so, um, what, what Christmas tide is, um, is the moment that begins either, um, kind of how you want to look at it either evening, which is kind of the end of Advent on Christmas Eve, um, on at sunset, some people, you know, that's midnight for them. Some people, um, you know, it's Christmas day is more the, the event. Um, but the point is that Advent comes to its end at Christmas as Christ is born, as God is born, um, Emmanuel, God with us, um, in the person of Jesus at Christmas. And, um, the, the whole Advent season predates, um, our understanding of like Advent wreaths and Advent candles for a long time. But this tradition of, of lighting candles that we've been going through in this series actually goes back only about two, 300 years. And so while it follows this same story, it's a symbol of our culture, our tradition, you know, our more recent history trying to understand and make useful, um, you know, kind of meaningful nods to that tradition, to that history, to that that calendar. And so while we, you know, start our year theoretically on January 1st, First day of Advent is actually the first day of the Christian New Year. And so we don't always think of ourselves as on that separate calendar. But I think the main thing that makes it so significant, um, outside of the significance of individual seasons, is that the calendar tells us that we are people that measure time differently. We have a different history than the rest of the world. It's a a matter of setting apart time and setting apart our understanding of the way that time functions um, and to say that um, rather than basing it, um, you know, there's there's this whole history we can get into taking calendars and how 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 we actually come to these terms and, and they are highly, highly based on what was already established in um, indigenous cultures in the ancient Near East and what would be widely acceptable by the Roman people. You know, there's all this crisscross. We won't get into that. Um, way too long of a story and a story I don't know, frankly. <laughs> um, but the really cool thing about, um, about Christmas Tide is that it follows a whole different story that we often don't tell in our, our culture because the cultural one we're telling Also, there's nothing wrong with it. But the cultural one we're telling is usually about leading up to Christmas. Um, Maybe we really want to highlight uh, Thanksgiving. Maybe we really want to highlight uh, New Year's Eve too and uh, New Year's Day. Maybe these are all significant holidays. People might think of these as like our holiday season. Um, And that is like a great um, kind of pluralistic, um, universal kind of way of saying You know, in between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, there's about 14 different really significant religious holidays for people all around the world. Nothing wrong with giving a nod to that. There's just a different way of measuring time for different purposes. And so I'm a happy holidays person because I know the person I might be talking to might be Jewish, they might be Buddhist, they might be celebrating something totally different from myself, right? Um, But the the cool thing about us celebrating these things as Christians together is is to celebrate something that's particular to us. Um, So, you know, take all that as you will. It, It serves you as it serves you. And if you want to practice this stuff, it's really rich. Um, it's at least really cool to know where some of it comes from. It's not obligatory. It's not something you have to find meaningful. Um, you can find it to be like a little bit too high churchy for you. And that's totally cool. Um, but here's, here's kind of what it means. So the Christ candle ignites this moment of Christmas. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and get us there. All right. So the Christ candle ignites this moment, whether that's midnight on Christmas Eve, whenever that that starts for you in your church, if you have a vigil on Christmas Eve um, at 7 p.m., that's cool. But the Christ candle represents the light that the Son of God has brought into the world when he's born as a baby, God in the flesh. And the fact that um, the Advent candles remain on Christmas Eve, puts the focus on this special moment of birth, um, this moment of transition really from prophecy to the fulfillment of prophecy, and so we've got everything here, but then in, in the days after, we'll actually take these candles away and leave the Christ candle through the season of Epiphany, um, until we get to Epiphany on January 6th, um, some traditions even leave it up through Epiphany, which is kind of cool. It takes you to Lent, then you take it all away, then you bring out the Paschal candle at uh, Easter, which, by the way, has a pretty significant tie symbolically to the Christ candle. It's, it's almost kind of a, um, ties together the seasons of Christmas and, um, and Easter in terms of how we see things in the church, some symbols that we would recognize, um, but so as uh, as we take these other candles away, it serves as uh, a reminder of old things that have passed away and things that have been made new and that the focus is now on the light of Christ. Um, the other metaphor for this, as we take these other candles away and we just have the single one white candle, um, it's tallest and that is um, pretty significant or usually tallest, might not be in your wreath, that's cool. <laughs> um, but th- one of the cool things about it being tallest is it can also be a symbol for the light that the Magi follow um, over the course of these 12 days of Christmastide. So when it starts on Christmas until it um, concludes at Epiphany, we have seven, uh, sorry, 12 days. Um, And over those 12 days, um, you leave this light on. You keep telling this story because Christmas is still going on. Um, The message is still getting out. Um, We've still got these images of shepherds and magi making their way, not down the street, but over a long journey. Having started even before the birth of Christ, right? And so they're making this long, precarious, frankly political journey, (laughs) and they're following this light, this candle, you know, what have you, um, in the sky. And the neat thing about this whole period, this whole period of Christmas, this 12 days, if you decide to look at it as 12 days instead of one, it says that events take time. It says that. Um, something this significant is not a day, it's a season and something this significant doesn't happen all at once. And the reason is because it takes about a moment for God to be incarnate with us. And at least in the story, we know it takes about 12 days for us to be incarnate fully with God. And so by that, I mean, um, at Christmas In this very particular town um, with uh, this very particular little family, actually even separated from their, you know, some of their extended family in the town, um, as uh, Joseph and Mary are welcoming this baby, this one particular Jewish family of this one particular Jewish lineage are receiving this good news. They are coming to grips with this. This is the Messiah. What, What does this mean? But it takes 12 days for the message to really be getting out beyond this small world um, and into the larger Jewish world. And then with the arrival of the Magi, um, who are Gentiles, this is the opening of the floodgates of this message to the entire world. So this is about good news taking time and it taking messengers, that it doesn't just show up and do its own magic. It actually takes us putting in the effort, and it actually takes us arriving um, in order for for us to fully experience what's going on. Um, And so, this journey is really about um, Jesus coming into the world, but it's also about the story of Jesus unfolding in the world. And um, I think it gives us a hint to come uh, of kind of the things to come that um, an event can be universe changing. It can be completely rupturing of, of everything we've thought. It can break down the status quo. It can be revolutionary and instantaneous and it takes time from the very beginning for that to take effect. And so I think it says don't take for granted that instant um, and don't think the work is done. That was beautiful. That was, I just go on these rants, you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's so much to unpack there. I, I do. I really appreciate how you took the time to like, explain what the liturgical calendar is because like, it's hard
1: hard for me I there's a lot I don't know
0: (laughs) yeah well because part of the reason I like had the idea for this particular series was because I grew up in an environment that did not adhere to the liturgical calendar at all Mm -hmm. um and in fact the first time I was really like face-to-face with liturgical calendar was Ash Wednesday like I walked to CCW and like all of a sudden Derek was like there are ashes to put on your forehead and I was like what weird dude (laughs) what's happening everyone's like oh it's ash wednesday i'm like i don't know what that is they're like you grew up in church i'm like yeah a non-denominational church Mm -hmm. That you know we did easter and good friday and christmas and i thought advent was just about the calendar that you open the door each day like i didn't know about the candles (laughs) like this is right right. and and very new information you
1: know half the advent calendars that are out there right now they have 12 days of Christmas, right? Um, as if 12 days of Christmas didn't have to be Christmas. So the, the idea of 12 days of Christmas actually come from the 12 days of Christmas tide, which at Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, even the culture gets confusing on that. And like like I said, I didn't grow up in that either. So when I found it, like you, I found it so rich and meaningful that I went, oh, I've been missing this this whole time. Like, oh, I could have had all this extra stuff. Awesome. Cool. But I mean, I won't lie. Like it's, you know, it can come off a little intense to some people. It can come off very um, intellectual. Like you have to know a ton of history to appreciate it or for it to be meaningful um, or for it to be accessible, which I think is such a shame because I honestly think the liturgical calendars may be the easiest thing to teach to kids Um, Mm -hmm. because you have like a sense of like birthdays, occasions, Christmas, like holidays um, the idea of setting time aside to celebrate is, is really native to kids, um, but it can just be a lot of new language and a lot of new information, and that feels overwhelming sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things I really appreciate about the liturgical calendar, and it kind of goes to what you were talking about with tide, is the fact that it feels like this journey, right? This progression of like walking with Jesus and God and in our faith in different seasons and like bringing different things to the center of our faith for a moment,
1: like to consider and ponder. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So. Which is, let's go ahead and say it. Um, Not the way that everybody likes to handle their spirituality, because it implies that you're on a journey that other people have walked before and you're being invited along. And there are all of these cool resources and there's this whole community of people all around the world that are doing it. All of which is great. And there are a lot of people who, um, are like, well, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing my own thing in my own time. And there's a time and a place for that too. And I think you can do both. I think you can walk aline- alongside these kind of communal traditions as well as kind of do this spiritual journey of like what it is you need to be looking at and focusing on and pondering right now. It may not be in sync with the liturgical calendar, but I would hazard anyone to say, first of all that they can like go it alone right in the spiritual world because there is no such thing as a solitary Christian. Um, Some, some solid, some Jada there, some John Wesley, but there, there really isn't. Um, You're, you're not going to get to the same depth in your own spiritual life and your own spiritual journey and in your own understanding without some of these outside influences as frustrating as all the junk that comes with them might be because institutional church is a thing and like institutional religion is gross and people when they get together don't always act at their best, right? Um, so that's real, but I think it's, it's nice to at least consider these things and to look at the liturgical calendar, to look at um, these holidays, and to think about how we might position ourselves in them. And if these periods of reflection do offer something that you need to look at, it might not be the right time for you um, to ponder expectation. Maybe you have been spending every moment since March in expectation and Advent isn't speaking to you much right now. Um, You know, maybe you've been spending all this time in lament and Lent is not going to be good if that's what you need to pour on more of it's okay if you need something different from that season but there's usually more than one way to look at any of these things and that's that's the power of symbols and metaphors and that's what all this is about that's what all these stories are about It's giving yourselves multiple uh characters you could put yourself in the shoes of multiple symbols you could get meaning out of um because i'll i'll jump in on on, I think a question I know you're headed to for me I put myself in the position of the magi um not so much because I'm like basically royal and that's my my deal um more that I understand um like I kind of told you I I've got this hiking background so when I picture their story it makes a little bit of sense to me this idea of um Journeying a long time over a, a. To take a long time to get somewhere and to have a lot of expectation about where you're going to get and what it's going to mean, and that it's going to be so personally significant for you. This was my hike of the Appalachian Trail. um And to, you know, kind of have that intense sense of like, this is going to be a really climactic thing to get there and see this and like, you know whether that's the biggest mountain peak of the day or the end of your hike after, you know, 6 months or whatever um or in this case like we're going to get to the baby jesus and we're going to finally understand we're going to see god in the flesh. I mean maybe this is what they were anticipating for weeks and weeks and weeks as they're getting ready to be there um and they're almost there and they're almost there and they really don't know how far or how long like this is going to be. They just have a a sense of, if we walk by faith and follow this light, we're going to get there. And I can relate so much to not knowing how much longer this is going to take, or if I've got what it takes. Um, And the thing about a journey like that is it takes so much of the emphasis. By the time you've done all all the work, so much of the emphasis is off of, arriving for this one particular moment to see this one particular thing so much of the work is done inside you and i'm convinced that while the magi didn't arrive for 12 days christ had arrived in the magi and been traveling with them had been doing work with them like the spirit of god is is moving in that journey that you're on and so if that looks for you you know different than me if you're in a deep place of prayer right now if you're in a deep place of of journaling spiritually and you're getting a lot of self-reflection out of that you know whatever that piece of your journey needs to be whatever the work is whatever the day by day monotonous in and out the thing you've got to chip away at to arrive at where christ is um, and where christ is trying to meet you um that for me is, I think, a lot of the power of this story is putting yourself in the shoes of those who journey to meet Christ and trying to figure out what is my journey, what do my steps need to look like to get me there? Um, What what is it that I need to do to let light in? Um, And what is it that I need to do to get, the message out um, And these are things that you don't come to all of a sudden. You do have to carry them with you, and you don't just have to carry them there to the big mountaintop moments. you also have to carry them home again. And the neat thing about these stories is they always go home another way. They're never able to return the same. We're always changed by these experiences, just by the journey itself, not just by arriving. And so when it says they, they return home by another way, I don't think that's just a political way of getting around Herod. Um, I think that the way that they walk around the earth, the way that they live their lives is always going to be different in light of what they've realized in the person of Christ. So,
0: Yeah. I really I love the way you just you found so much meaning in that that journey of the magi and like connected it to to like our faith today. Like that was
1: that's so beautiful. Well thank you. I I um I think the power is always in where you can connect. And and for a lot of people, see I'm not a mom, for instance, and for a lot of women, Advent is like Someone finally put spiritual words to the way I experience carrying God. You know, like this is so strong. And so for me, this like traveling imagery is really strong. But for you, it may be something totally different. You might find yourself going, I'm Joseph in this story. I know what it's like to await the judgment you know, the gifts, but the judgment of powerful people on a moment in my life and to sit here, you know, anticipating visitors, to anticipate um, witnesses to what's going on and to be in this place of waiting and waiting for people to come to me. And maybe that's like, you know, that might be really unfamiliar for others but yeah, find your place in the story. If that's Mary, if that you might be the, the innkeeper, the like confused bystander to the situation who feels like you're always seeing these like incredible spiritual moments play out for someone else. And, um, you get to play host, um, you know, whatever that is. So yeah, yeah. Find your place in the story. And that's where the meaning happens for you. It's just, For me, I imagine blistered feet and I imagine um, boots full of sand and, um, you know, like painful toenails like this, (laughs) but that's that's like literally the physicality of my world. And so um, for you, that, that may look totally different and put flesh on it in totally different ways.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with the second half of this conversation.
1: Studio Wesley is sponsored by Campus to City Wesley, a ministry of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. During this holiday season, Campus to City Wesley is engaging in their year-end giving campaign. This year, we are inspired by the words of Jeremiah 29. As we have seen God building up a ministry that goes beyond our plans, leveraging online spaces to prosper our ministry even in the midst of a pandemic. If you would like to support the work we are doing here at Studio Wesley, consider donating to Campus to City Wesley by visiting campustocity.org/yeg2020.
0: everyone thank you uh, for joining us for the second half of this wesley union episode on christmas tide and the christ candle um so i'm just gonna keep diving on in because the conversation was so good i did not want it to stop in that first half <laughs>
1: um we've had to bring you advertising it's part of our contract <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's required <laughs> um yeah so uh, caitlin i'm just wondering when you talk about all of these things, like what scriptures and stories come to mind for you um, from the Bible?
1: Absolutely. So we don't just have to look at um, just the stories of the nativity and the stories of the magi. Um, We also can look at some of the prophecy that comes before this. And so one that for me kind of ties all this stuff together and, and kind of helps us embrace all these different symbols and get a sense of why, later on we adopted practices and candles and all these different things to honor this, um, that it wasn't just something we came up with later because we thought it sounded nice. Um, but it is really this not to thousands of years of tradition and thousands of years of text. So this one comes from, um, Isaiah, uh, chapter 61 through three. Um, and, uh, this is uh, particularly around verse three. This is really, um, Dent stuff, But it says arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you for darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness, the peoples, mm-hmm. but the Lord shall rise upon you and his glory will appear over you nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Um, and so this is, um, you know, Uh, a a really cool prophetic image that we can uh, look back now. And granted, this is uh, a Christocentric look back at a Jewish text, but um, that we can look at as a a preamble to this moment of the Magi following the star that um, great Kings are going to follow this light of God. And um, this isn't necessarily portrayed as a, a real physical journey, right? This is maybe something we might consider to be metaphorical language but then this becomes real in this real moment and it plays out oh oh this is a clue that something really is going on here something really significant and sacred is going on here um and so this image to me not only calls out the idea of this star um but also uh this light that that shines this light that comes, um, arise, shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has shown upon you. It calls on us to shine too. Um, so you can get where, where you can call back to candles. You can light candles along with this text. This is, um, often used in Advent with that lighting wreaths and, and preparing for the Christ candle. Um, but this, this moment also, um, you know, ties together this candle light star kind of, um, uh, imagery. And it leaves us a lot to play with because the, the fun thing about, uh, a light, like light has been an image for goodness over evil or, um, truth, right. Purity. There's, there's so much that light could stand for. Um, and so in, in some ways there's, there's no going wrong with it. Um, it's, it's a, a metaphor meant to say, this will lead you by the right road. This is, um, this is the light of goodness, truth. It's going to shine on you. It's only going to be positive, whatever that looks like. And so it's one we use everywhere. Um, but it's, it's kind of especially fun here because it can weave together all of this, um, all of these different pieces of the tradition so that we don't think that, um, you know, the things that we might talk about with the liturgical calendar would be totally different from the way that we would decorate with candles in um, a sanctuary. These are all woven together. And when we get an appreciation, when we step back and see the appreciation of the, the tradition, the calendar, the text we see that these themes run all the way through all of them. Mm. Yeah, that's incredible.
0: I was talking to my roommate the other night and he showed me the, um, the graph where some guy charted like all the scripture verses and how they interconnect. I don't know if you've seen that.
1: Um, Uh, Maybe not,
0: but it's, I'll have to send you the link after this, but basically it's just like this thing and I haven't investigated it super like, well, but it was interesting to see all the lines and places scripture like overlaps and things call back to one another. Yeah. Yeah. the The way the story isn't just like, they're not all separate, right? They're interconnected. Like there is this
1: oneness in them. Yeah. Um, When you hear something in the text and it sounds like something before it, that's, you know, that's first mentioned. That's like, oh, hold on. That's a a clue. These people, um, you know, whatever time they were reading, um, writing a particular text, they were also reading these former texts. They'd also committed them to memory and the same people who are you know, authoring these or take, taking this stuff down, recording it, passing these, you know, manuscripts along, these are the most educated people they are going to make all these great nods to the past and to the prophets and, and, um, you know, make sure that, you know, this is one story. This isn't, um, this isn't a a separate story in each book. This isn't, um, you know, and then there was the old Testament and that's like, Back there, and this is the New Testament, it's it's more important in some way. Um, no, they, these these are a library of texts that tell a story of a people over thousands of years. And over that time, like, yeah, the story um changes a bit in that when they're in a particular time in their lives and their journey as a people, things start to change for them as far as what they focus on, what they need to grow on, what like, is really important to their people, what they struggle with, what, like, they most want to sin with, you know, all these things, because when you're, um, you know, I think we can probably relate to this, right, because there's, um there are texts out of exile that are longing for home, right, there are um texts when there's victory, right, and that want to celebrate that, and, like, there's a Place for lament um, for times like 2020 when things aren't as they should be, Um, and um, it's cool that the text isn't just for the good times. It's like the the Bible is big enough to hold everything that's going on, Um, and the the Christian calendar is big enough to hold everything that's going on, and so um, you don't have to fall into you know, this is the season for happiness, you know, (laughs) like, no, no, um, but this is a season where we celebrate this together, and that means acknowledging that Christmas might not be happy perfectly for everybody. We might not all be together in the way we want to be, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's actually, hopefully, um, opening this stuff up to be uh, more accessible and more able to be explored. Yeah.
0: yeah. I really, I appreciate your your note about how significant certain things that are happening, like in the New Testament and in different portions of the Bible um, are to the people who were they were being given to, right? You know, like whenever Jesus goes into the temple and reads those words from Isaiah 61, people knew those, right? Like that wasn't just something off the wall. They were like, what is he saying? Mm-hmm. And like how he is the fulfillment of those words you know jesus that but then the great thing about it then is that we're supposed to try to be like jesus right so we're supposed to also try to live into the words of isaiah 61 so those like stories are continuing today mm-hmm. and so i guess in closing i i'm kind of curious how you think like all of this that we've discussed today the story of the magi the journey the candle you know these ethereal concepts um how they matter today to the church and society and how do we
1: manifest them? Absolutely. Well, totally, um, totally asking the right question because that is the journey of Christmas right? How do we journey over these next 12 days um, from this moment of Christmas, this moment of celebration, this like ignite, um, you know, ignition moment, um, this spark of God in the world, how do we take this to the manifestation of, of God in the world? Um, and in reality, that is now us, the church, the body of Christ. Um, and so how, how, do we make that manifest? Um, and because manifestation is actually the Greek word, um, uh, the, the meaning of the Greek word that we get epiphany from. And uh, so as we journey from Christmas into epiphany over uh, Christmas tide, that is is the heart of the question um, how do we make this stuff manifest because things like light and stars and candles are frankly pretty ethereal um, light is a great metaphor because it's so broad and ethereal and you can kind of like throw it into any situation and sometimes it can be hard to put flesh and blood on ideas like that um, especially if that's our flesh and blood it's a lot easier to put like you know, Jesus is right. It's easier to see Jesus as the light of the world. What does it mean for us to now have that responsibility? Cause it's not just a privilege. It's also a responsibility. How do we carry this message? How do we like the magi go on a journey, pick up this message and share it. And I think um, kind of the fun thing about light is that now a couple thousand years later, we have all this, you know, extra, um, know information from science about what light even is Um, and so we know um that uh light actually does take a whole lot longer to get to us than we think um which i think is such a great way of of realizing what the story already told us which is it takes a little bit longer to get to this stuff than you think. It get, it takes a little longer to get to the realization, to get to the manifestation of all of these ethereal concepts. And it can take a bit for something that is fully light, that is fully good, that is fully coming your way to actually arrive at you and hit you <laughs> and, and light you up. Um, and that's okay how is it going to do that? How are you going to carry that? How are you going to bear light? How are you um, in this season that isn't perfect, right? How are you going to be that light out in the world? And then the other cool thing about like what we know from science in this time is that light is actually just another word for energy. And when we think about that, it's not so much that we've got to turn light into flesh and blood, but that we've got to let light move through us, that we've got to let energy, um, transform us, transform our deeds. We've got to literally like put, put some elbow grease in. And that's, that's actually how the light gets out. Um, that, that light and, and heat (laughs) are, are the same. Um, and this, kinetic um sense of how we move through the world and the way that we actually do deeds and actually walk and actually talk and actually burn energy um is the light of the world um is the manifestation of christ and the neat thing is that that's um that's the story from the beginning it's uh just how we frame it and how willing are we to lean into that and how much are we willing to see the the star, to see the image of the announcement, Um, to know that something significant is happening and to actually be willing to step out our door and follow that thing. Um, That is the question and whether or not, this story will be significant in the world and whether or not um, you know, this, this good news is going to get out in in a new and fresh way uh, this year in, in, you know, 2021 is a question for us because um, it's a question of energy and how much we're willing to put in. So um, I think it's a, a journey worth sharing. And um, I think it's, um, you know, we think of the Magi as these kind of isolated um folks on a journey and they they kind of separate and go their own um different ways. Um but that doesn't have to be our story. Um we are not um forced to walk alone and in fact uh I'm I'm pretty convinced that we get more light out when we don't. So yeah.
0: <laughs> Caitlin, thank you so much for all of that and for being here today and for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us that was this has been incredible
1: i was happy to google it no problem
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right everyone well thank you for listening to um this week's episode of wesley union um tune in next week for us to talk about epiphany (laughs) yeah and merry christmas (laughs) merry christmas bye Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by
1: Campus to City Wesley.